everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming back in Clint Davis, who is the co-founder and CEO of Capsule App, and that's spelled C-A-P-S-L-L. Clint was originally on back in March of 2022, and I had him back on as he's gone through a lot over the last 18 months uh, with his founder's journey, and we thought it'd be really unique to talk through the depths of that and really have an honest and open discussion about a lot, what a lot of founders go through and how it affects not only their business, but also maybe their personal life and things they can do to try to improve that and make it sustainable and make it better for them. So I hope you all enjoy this wide-ranging conversation. We jump right into it as the recording starts because we kind of just chatted and just decided to keep it rolling from there. So uh, I hope you all enjoy this episode. I certainly did. So without further ado, please welcome in Clint Davis. I could probably start with this, but it's like um, the last the last year to 18 months of startup has been brutal, yeah. like just really rough you know the, the bottom fell out there's reasons for that banking system economics um to basic trust in startups and a lot of junk startups out there at the mm-hmm. moment um, and then a lot of startups that took big money from vcs that are struggling right now because they can't they can't hit that turnaround yeah um so for us it's been no different i mean we started managing our budget really tightly about 11 months ago we were kind of like right on the front end of that curve but it's been tough dude we have like we um you know, investment dried up. Um, we had to we had to release staff. We had to look at how we were going to manage things forward on its bare bones. Uh, all founders' salaries, all of that gone, mm-hmm. um, and just uh, fighting to keep the product alive, knowing that um, in this space, you know, the top ten unicorn products we know all came out of recession. Mm-hmm. So you're fighting with that hope, you know. But you're also learning so much. There's so much wealth. It's one of those moments where you just like, you hate going through it, but you would never change it, you know, because you can see everybody's learning and growing. Right. And now we're at the point where we've got some really, really great investment coming in. And um, and we just have amazing ways forward. So so it's a success story. But the thing that I'd, I'd love to get into a little bit, um, if you're up for it, is just the mindset. I think there's a lot of people right now going through a lot of certainly a lot of startup people, but certainly people in business and people like yourself wanting to do something for yourself. There's been a whole unsettling and disruption of what work is and where work is and and how we work, you know. And um, and I think that's fascinating. But the mindset over this last year for people that have started new things or tried to venture out has been it's very challenging. It's very emotional. And and you know me, man. I'm open. I'm I'm raw. Or like uh, I'll go wherever, but it's tough. It's been it's been highs and lows, and honestly, the cloud dominates your thinking most of the time. Yeah. So the tools that we've put in place, the tools I put in place, in my personal life, to get through that and to to keep forward focus, to keep momentum, the feeling of being stuck in the mud but trying to keep going, the responsibility you bear to investors and to users that you've promised certain things and now you can't build them because it's just going to be too slow you know the money and it has to wait and just all the weight of it you know and and then separating your life out from this being your whole life you know and actually realizing no you need this to fit in in the landscape of everything you enjoy doing and your work almost needs to become a hobby that you love doing and that sort of thing and Mm. you know integrating meditation and you know, stuff like that, so and journaling and things like that. So there's a lot there, man. That's just been, I think the journey of our last 11 months is probably the most valuable conversation we could have. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and, oh, and if yeah. you want, I mean, and like I said, I mean, I'm comfortable. Obviously, you were on before. We could keep rolling from here. Like, I, I'd recorded, obviously, I've already started. I could kind of clip it from a minute or two ago, and then we could yeah. just roll into it if you want, or we could start here. Yeah, I'm game for whatever. That's yeah, cool sure. I don't mind. Whatever works for you, man. Yeah, we uh, can, we can pick up. Or how? I mean, how's you know how does that all sound to you? And how's it been for you this last period? Yeah, it's real well. I I like the conversation because you're certainly in a different position than I am. But I think everyone goes through those. Whatever, no matter what you're going through, is like, am I doing enough? Am I mean, I have a, I have a blog actually that just launched today about this. Like, am I doing enough? Like, I, 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 am I behind? Yeah. Am I? You know, I'm I'm waking up and like, oh my god, I'm not, you know, all these people are ahead of me. I have this comparison bias. Like, I have uh, I have all these things that are, and and I would say me. I mean, I think a lot of people have this as well. Of how do I do things different than I'm doing before? But was before even bad? Like maybe the stuff I, I've been doing is 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 good, honest, like work. Let me just keep moving down the ball field, right? Why does it have to be so fat? Like, is there a finish line I'm trying to get to? So anyways, I think, yeah, I absolutely struggle with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good conversation um, to have for sure. Yeah, I love that, man. We should just keep rolling in it. I, I, I think, you know, like, um, man, that are you doing enough is so, is so crazy because what is enough, right? It's like I made promises to myself when we started the business. We were like, this company has to grow at the pace that is healthy for us we determine the pace nobody else is going to determine the pace for us we're not going to be pressured by the market we're going to be pressured by other players who have multi 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 millions of dollars spent on one little aspect that our business we have to raise for you know but to stick to that's really difficult especially in times that are tough and are slow and you do question yourself have i done enough in hindsight man i mean there must be so many founders right now um sitting or i know i know there are so many founders of startups and perhaps even just um business owners who have ventured out into a new business or a new offering or something who are who are sitting in hindsight going what if i did this oh if i didn't spend on that if i didn't okay. i mean startups in particular we were spending um well just in our company we were spending below the averages that were industry standards for startups in terms of salaries and dev and things like that and we still had to like crunch everything down 11 months ago and go okay wait we got to go down to bare bones some of those guys that were spending like you know high six-figure salaries to their founders and things like that i'm sure they're going to be sitting going man i wish i didn't do that but you just can't the landscape is so different and don't we find this in every conversation we have relationships that point back to good or bad times why we broke up why we didn't or political biases you know you to, to put yourself in the conversation you really have to travel back in time into the context and you can't do that yeah. so you're carrying something that isn't real right a perspective that isn't real did i do enough um could i have done more um out of a context that you can never relive and i think that's that's just impossible yeah well and to that point i think we can't have regret if we made the decision if we had all the information like today we have all this information and we make a a really generous decision for ourselves we think's the best path forward we can't go back 18 months later and be like that yeah. was dumb. Why did I make that? Well, that's we had the decision. Now, if you make a dumb decision where you didn't be you weren't thoughtful, that's a whole different story. But it's very hard to have regret if we did the thing we wanted to do at the time we had the opportunity to do it. And we have to live yeah. with that. And because too, this is something that this is a, a random tangent here, but I don't think it's talked about enough is how, how the things work out that we made an incorrect what we thought was an incorrect decision, but it actually worked out. 
in our favor. Mm. We, we have a hard time thinking about that, right? Oh, you, mm. d- you went down this path versus the one you should have gone down and you met your wife or, you know, mm. you, you've met a co-founder or anything like that. Like, we don't really know. Um, and, and sometimes we get lucky, too. So it's like, mm-hmm. what, yeah. what's the point of going back and beating it up? Let's look at where we're at currently and then, okay, how do we map the path forward? Yeah, totally. So you, I mean, you, you started the podcast in 2017. I mean, you stepped away in, in a sense from what, heading one direction and wanted to head into this direction. And right. now you're still on this journey and you're still making moves to grow it and stuff. I mean, maybe the issue is just that we want this immediate gratification. We want these immediate answers on how we're doing on where do we get that from? We get like that. We have to, we have to be graded every day, every week, every month, whatever your metric is, who yeah. says that? Like, yeah. and what is the grade for that? Is that, you think we learn that in school and, and we, we have to turn, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You know? I, I have to imagine it's something, I mean, for me personally, I think it was beating myself up of like, again, going back to, I'm not enough, but like, I didn't really feel like I got a lot of attention as a kid. There was some neediness there. A lot of stuff I've, I've had to deal with. And I think partly that's what suppressed me from doing all these things that I wanted to do, where I just felt like I, I'm like, who am I to do it? And wow. once I realized that, wait a minute, why can't I be the one that does it? I actually have a, uh, a question that I came up with a few years ago. It's on my mirror in my bathroom that the question is, why can't it be you? So when I, um, when I come up to something where I'm like, oh, I can't insert whatever. Oh, I'm, I can't make an online course or I can't help people do this or I can't whatever. Why can't it be you? Why can't yeah. someone's going to do it, right? Yeah. Someone's going to create this. Someone's going to achieve something. Why can't I be the one that does it? Like what makes them so different than me? And when you yeah. sit with that, you start realizing like, fuck, there's nothing that's different. Yeah, the there's difference nothing. is who talks himself out of it quick enough, quicker, yeah, right? Exactly. So yeah. why don't I just, what if I, well, that, this is how um, you mentioned the podcast in 2017. Like the podcast started up as a hobby. Like I didn't, mm. I didn't, I didn't think anything of it and it might always remain that. Like I might never monetize the podcast. Like I don't know what's going to happen. What I know is I love having these types of conversations. I mo- love meeting interesting people. I mean, look at you and I, right? We met randomly 18 months ago. You're on the podcast and now we've stayed connected and you're back on here and we're chatting about other things, right? And, yeah. and life's changed for both of us. And it, that's what's really cool about this is to have those connections that otherwise we wouldn't have had. Yeah. But I initially started the podcast because I had all of this fear of doing something and I wanted to start a podcast for two years and I never started it, 2015 to 2017. And that's actually why it's called Just Get Started because I just woke up one day, I say that, but like, I don't, you know, it was over a period of, a, a period of time where I was like, wait a minute, what if I could interview people? What if I could share my journey of getting started, of kind of leaping outside the comfort bubble and and leaning into some discomfort? Maybe that could help inspire people to get started. And that's why yes. the podcast started. And it's still the mission today. It's changed. It's changed from, I think initially it was starting like talking with business owners and entrepreneurs and stuff. And now it's expanded to a lot of people that are, trying to get started with projects or, you know, it's a lot more about mindset and how, you know, we really, it's our thoughts that could shape where we're going. Um, so it's, it's evolved, mm. but it's, it's around the idea of getting started still. It's just took form from yeah. one more a niche of like starting a business to let's have a better life. Right. So it's kind of right, expanded, right. you know? 
and there is that. I mean, you can never take away, look, here's the thing, right? I've done tons of projects, self projects and things. And, mm -hmm. and it's always like, you're not exactly sure where it's going to end up, but you know, you, you try to define success in a healthy way and you go like, well, how many people do I have to help? Like in your, in your, in, in your perspective, like how many people would you have to help get started in order to deem yourself a success? Is it one person that, that becomes a world changer? Is it one person that doesn't, you know, um, threaten their own life uh, because they feel oh, they can, they can actually have some worth and start something. I mean, that is success, but there's the other thing on the other side where you have to live, you have to live as a family, you have to have an income, you have to, and you know, honestly, we need to get away from this thing about the pursuit of wealth being an evil thing as well. There's nothing wrong with it. As long as you, you, you understand that wealth is what opens more tools and more doors and mm -hmm. things. And I'm loving seeing all of the really wealthy guys come out at the moment that are being so open about how once you've got your basic needs met and you don't have to think about money when you go out to dinner or you don't have to worry about this or worry about that, just 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 above like the, the necessities of what you want and a little more, then after that, uh, really the happiness stays the same. You can't have more money for more happiness, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and we all know money makes things easier. So anybody that, that says, oh, don't worry about wealth, don't worry about making money, being financial stable. Okay, cool, man. You go live that life. I've lived that life. Um, I'm a founder, so I still very much live that life. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, listen, having money is better. It's definitely having money is better. And especially when you have ideas and you have dreams and you can do more things, pull more triggers, help more people. And hopefully you're in a healthy place where you can see it that way, that, that it is a tool to help more people. But as far as that goes, you know, you need people to support you in those early stages and go like, you know what? Yes. What you're saying has value. And you know what? I'd actually like to subscribe. Like, can't there be a subscription model or is there a donation model or something? But we as a humanity have to equally value the, the valuable content that we're getting from people as much as we bag on the bad content that we're getting in the news and in sources that are trying to position us or echo chamber us in a certain way. It's easy to become a complainer about all the stuff that's wrong, but hey, let's actually let's actually get behind the stuff that's good. And to be frank with you, often getting behind the stuff that's good is your wallet. It is. When it comes to nonprofits, when it comes to causes, when it comes to, you can't stand in Africa on a street with a starving child in front of you and just give them an encouraging tip and say, hey, you you look good today. You've got to give that child food, you know? And for many of us that are wanting to affect a good change, healthy change in the world, we need food. We need food, you know? So, um, uh, but as success is where I wanted to come back to because we spoke about like that success metric and how you, you said that you, when you start out, there's often that thing of like, am I good enough? Should I be the one to do this? Like, yeah. well, let me give you another side of that. You know, I really accomplished a lot in radios up, up at the top echelons of radio broadcasting and um, uh, hard forms driving career and that, and that was all very successful. And yet even now, you know, that, that career was like 17 years and I've been out of it for maybe three um three or four or maybe a few more i don't know time just passes by as a, as a founder but but um you know i found it difficult to actually allot my previous successes to what i'm doing now so it wasn't like i hadn't had success before and was like oh am i the one to be able to do this i knew i could do it but within myself carrying myself in a way that was less 
oh, I'm just a first time founder, help me out. I don't know what I'm doing and crossing the divide to going, no, actually I have done things in my life. I've accomplished this, this, this. These were hard things. I carried them well. Yes, I learned lessons from times I failed at them, but to allot that success in the mental space to myself, I have found incredibly difficult to cross that divide. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is a childhood thing. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like where you're going with this because with success, I've thought about this a lot because when I started the podcast, and, and that's we, we could talk about the podcast, obviously there's other stuff, but let's just use that since we're on that train, Yeah, is it was kind of like a, oh, I could help people get started and I can motivate and inspire them. That's still the mission today. However, mm. I don't use that to define success. So I don't like, oh, if I help one person or 10 people or a million people, what I, I have to look, and, and this is you know more of a selfish thing, I've realized like if I'm not happy doing it, it's going to project into the quality of the interviews in terms of the guests maybe I bring on, in terms of, you know, whatever. And yeah. so I so I had to go back and really think like, okay, what does Brian really because this is one of this is going into more <laughs> a therapy thing, but like yeah. I, I had to start realizing like and and sharing what I wanted. I used to always be the people pleaser, the one let's let's put everyone first. Let's Brian kind of can sit in the back and and I realized like, no, I have to share what I want and what I need in the world. And when I do that, it allows me to actually to help more people. Because now I'm more truthful to myself and, and, you know, I'm not suppressing, you know, certain things that are making me suffer or making me depressed or whatever. And similarly with the podcast, it's kind of in the children's books and some other stuff. It's like, I had to define, okay, what's success? Well, success for me is that, and this is why I don't monetize the podcast as we're doing this. I don't want to take just any dollars. Like I want to make sure it's actually something I believe in. I want the Mm. quality of it. I want a little control over the show still. Right. I want to be able to do the show that I want. I want to launch the episodes when I like. I want to interview the guests that I want to interview. And it gives me the freedom and autonomy to do those things with the current format, the way I've set it up. Now, mm. some may disagree with me and say, well, Brian, you could, you know, 10x the audience and have this. Sure, maybe someday. And maybe that's an avenue. But for me, that's not what it's been about. That's not what success mm. is with the podcast for me. You know, so I've really had to define that for myself. And it's allowed me to be more free because I was going to stop the podcast a couple of times over the last, you know, what, five and a half years. And what kept me going was going back to, wait a minute, what's success for me? What is the reason I'm actually doing this? It's not like to get some big name guest or to be on some talk show or anything. No, it's, I actually love these conversations. Yeah. I love the process of the editing sometimes gets, as you know, sometimes we get a little (laughs) tedious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just you need someone doing that for you, man. Come you, on, what you are could. You, what are you true, doing? true. But, <laughs> um, but I've also built. It's you know what the the funny thing is as we're talking, is it's allowed me to build more systems though that I was not good at yes. in the past. So even just going through the process of editing and how I edit, that's helped me build more systems in other areas of my life because I've realized it's this process. So we can go down the rabbit hole. Um, but going back to like what is success, I had to define mm. that for myself before. I can, you know, kind of expand it to how's it helping others? Like, how's it helping me? Otherwise, what's yeah. the point of doing it? Because then you don't really know why you're doing it. You don't know why you're going to. Yeah. It. Yeah, exactly right. And I feel like, you know, I'm very grateful that we're living in the age that we're living in. Um, it is it is extremely difficult at the moment. Um, you know, certainly living in America, um, 
is tricky. I know every country has its challenge, but uh, I think we have a massive identity crisis at the moment. I think that's really the core of what's going on right now. Um, and that's a big topic on its own. But I am very grateful that we live in this age of mental awareness um, and, and mental health. Let, let's say rather mental health awareness, right, is, um, is so prevalent mm -hmm. and that people are pushing it into that. You know, if you go back, even 10 years, man, people were not having conversations like this. What does a balanced life look like? Right. Like what, you know, how do I find my purpose? How do I, how do I get it out there now? How do I, you know, all these things, how, how's my mindset today? Right. And a lot of people are still not doing it. And honestly, if you're not, if you're not involved in any kind of mindset stuff, you're, you're a lot poorer for it and you'll discover yourself more than anything. In it. But I think it's so, it's just, we get a lot of grace with that and we should be allotted a lot of grace with that process in that it's a developing process, you know? So if you're going to start something, it can't just be like, Oh, well, I have to wait till it's perfect. I have to wait till I've defined what success will become with it. I have to have the target. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work like that because you grow so much on the journey that those things shift and change, you know, so much. And so it's almost laughable for me to sit here and, and hear you say, no, I don't really need the podcast to become monetized when I'm like going, Hey man, like I think things of value need to be monetized because you need to be able to commit your headspace and your mental health to this valuable proposition that you're putting out into the world, you know? And, um, and I think that in the shift of mental space in, in aligned with work and remote work and how we work and why we work and all these questions that we're asking ourselves in this period of time, uh, must align with our actions then to change as well in the sense of, okay, cool. You know what? If I'm getting mentally healthy and I recognize other people are adding to that, I want them to, to charge me for that. I want to put my money where it's, it's of value because it's not just about keeping those projects alive and growing them, but it's also me. As I take money out of my pocket to put it into something that I believe is feeding me mm -hmm. in a healthy way, uh, and I've got like three or four of them that have formed my, my morning rituals and such, and I, I experience a tactile neurological psychological experience of committing to that within myself and understanding that i am putting value into my life mm -hmm. and it, there's no other way than through your pocket frankly there just isn't you know um some some conversations and things pull you in and that's great and everything but i think instead of you having to say hey this is what i'm going to charge i wish we could live in a world and this is maybe just a bit idealistic of myself where people could go hey i see you have a really valuable thing i'd like to just i'd like to just support that you know yeah. and i guess maybe i face this with investors a lot you know where i'm like you know you can see what we're doing you agree what what we're doing is important and world changing and everything but you're still not across the line to invest, you know? And it's like, that's okay. Like, let's have that conversation, but let's keep having that conversation instead of going, I see something of valuable, but now I'm out. Mm. Why? Can we like talk about it? Can we just figure out like what's going on here? Like maybe the value proposition that you're seeing is not what I'm trying to portray. Or if you really don't see the value proposition, I don't want you part of it that anyway, that's all good. Anyway, I'm rambling now, but it's, there's just a lot of opportunity, I think, for us to change our mindset on the consumer end of what we consume and the value proposition we place behind that as to how it's affecting us to be healthier, more whole human beings. Yeah. What on the, you, you're going to make me go off on a tangent, but I'm going to ask. So like within- It's almost that, like you need to edit that. That's like a whole podcast. That's all, there like you go. Five minutes of ramble. Well, <laughs> but, it, but it's helpful from the standpoint of like the, what you said about the investors is interesting because- investors the way they thought probably five six years ago totally different mm. today right they've kind of tightened the belt a little bit um yeah 
what are you finding? Like, why is someone not investing? Is it because like, okay, I don't see the return on the investment, you know, with that from a dollar standpoint, I don't see the mission. Like, what are you finding? Like, what are some people saying to you? Yeah, it's so detailed. I and mean, we have amazing investors um, and we've got we've got guys that have truly come in with the right heart and understanding what we're doing and stuff. And that's great. And we do, our company, we're very good on pitching the mission in particular because we're building the tech live uh, mm-hmm. in front of everybody. So, um, so the mission is important to us and it's just a big platform, so it takes time. But it's such a detailed question. Every investor is different. Everyone is different. Every investor will point out something different. Every investor will want a different page in your deck or a page to be removed. Or, a, And I mean, how are you supposed to know that ahead of a pitch is impossible. But I think we could talk about a lot of factors certainly over the last 11, 12 to 18 months in the startup world in particular that saw investment crash so radically all the way from the Silicon Valley Bank thing um, you know, to just downward turn in the economy in the US, to world global um, elements that have changed as well. We even have 21 countries now pulling away from the US dollar. That's got to be considered um, when you're thinking about uh, building a dollar-based company. And then you can go all the way to the pandemic and just general mindset and um, even, you know, data regulations and things around the world. So there's a lot of factors. I think at the end of the day, though, um, there's there's a middle ground and there's an end ground. The middle ground is have I done a good job communicating what we're doing, what we're building, uh, why it's important, uh, what your investment will mean and what your returns will be. Have I done a good job on that? That's the first thing. I think most founders are like, oh, well, that investor sucks. We'll go to the next one. No, every no is a question as to what did we do wrong? Did we, was that not the investor for us or did we not, are we not communicating? We, what are we missing here? You know, and you got to accept that you are missing all the time. You're always missing something, you know. Um, the other, the other thing that I think is important as a middle ground thing is, is, um, is what is their context? What is their world? You know, um, a lot of no's are just that investors have already, invest, already invested the amount that they would invest in your particular vertical uh, somewhere else, uh, and that's okay. Um, and other ones are just, uh, are just, you know, really timing and that sort of thing. The end of the road one, though, the big one that I think underlies all of it, and I understand that there are there are monetary gains that have to be made from investment. I get all that. I get all those mechanics and everything. Let's just put that in the middle block for, for argument's sake. But the underlying platform for me, I think, um, is fear. Is fear. And I think, I think we all have fear. And I think I don't need, I'm not saying that every investor that turns away has fear. I'm just saying that let's double check that it isn't fear. Because I think right now there's a lot of fear going on about investments that have been made, about investments that, um, that aren't turning around, about startups that are failing, that have been invested in. We can certainly see VCs in particular are very tight at the moment. They also have their own battles to fight in a, in a la- changing landscape and such. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I think, in the great landscape of things, very young to this, and there's a big conversation around it. But I think at the end of the day, um, fear guides lack of vision or certainly boxes down vision. Um, and it's very hard for a pitch to be made effectively without being able to talk vision. Mm-hmm. We can talk money to re- returns all the time, but for us, and maybe that's different in a fintech company or something, but for us, we have to have investors that see vision. Yeah. And so it's a little bit of a different dynamic, I think, maybe. How do, so obviously when you were on you know, 18 months ago or so, and, and you're kind of in this growth building all this, and then you've mentioned all these kind of lumps you've taken um, as, as the world's changed over the last 18 months, how often... I'm trying to think the best way to say it. I mean, the direct way is like 
from a sunk cost standpoint, how often do you think about like, is this the right direction? Like, you know, I, I have to imagine you talk about fear and I, cause I know some, some founders and I've talked with them about this before. Like, how do you know when, Hey, this product is on the right path or we have to mm. pivot or is this, you know, is this the right thing to keep going? Cause I'm assuming at some point your investors are saying that to you or they're asking or whatever, like, how do you deal with that? Cause I'm, I'd imagine a lot of founders deal with that question themselves, you know, are they doing the right yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, our investors don't, don't get on our backs too much. We are great people, but we also um, communicate with them very, very clearly and often. Um, it's, it's hard. I don't, I don't know if you ever really know that you're on hundred percent the right track, you know, that's the whole journey of iteration and, and building. Um, and also you've got to build things as the contextual landscape changes, you know, the, the product that we were building started building two years ago. Um, it did it's it's the same product we're building now but there's different biases right people you, you think about how ai came in for example just the last six months of ai right mm -hmm. so we had to assess that as a platform and we had to assess that in the sense of is this going to kill our company or is it going to help our company and um and we had to do a full rollout assessment. now fortunately for us it solves a lot of issues for us and we can see massive growth opportunities from it it's not the same for every for every company and every startup um i think I think there's macro direction and I think there's micro direction. You know, I think macro directionally, you want to be heading in the same direction, solving the same problem that you set out to solve. Now, if that problem has iterated or changed a little bit, but you're still within the wheelhouse of solving that problem, I think you can still uh, find passion and move forward that in the micro way. You can, you might have a problem that was going to be involving a certain aspect of tech and now you can micro change that, but it's still going to hit the same major problem, but from a different angle. And I think that's okay. And we've certainly done that. I think the bigger problem comes in when you're feeling stuck in the mud, like these last, uh, this last year has been for so many. Um, I think the temptation is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest problem on a major pivot, if you're pivoting a project product in a major direction, is your team. Your team is not initially signed on to build one particular, um, a pivot like that, right? So you might be building one thing that everybody's impassioned about. You put all this time into getting them impassioned about. They see the problem. They see how we can fix it, that we're the ones to do this. And then you do a hard pivot, often out of fear, um, and you, you just you just end up building something that wasn't what everybody bought into building, not something your investors bought into or anything. And passion just wanes and, and things die very quickly then, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, for us, we've had to continually ask ourselves, um, are we still solving the problem for humanity that we believe we set out to solve? And as long as that answer was yes, then every other question was, if we pivot this, is it going to end us or is it going to help us? Is this thing worth pushing through? Um, and biting the bullet on, or is this the end of the road for this, you know, and you just manage things accordingly. Um, but I think it sounds like such a strategic question. It's actually more an emotional question than anything. You know, I think your emotions start playing in um, into these sort of things. And if you're letting your emotions lead you down uh, the wrong path, um, you're doomed. Uh, and so, like you said earlier, you've got to be, you've got to be putting into yourself uh, the things that will sustain you first uh, and keep you in a healthy space um, before you really pull the trigger on. I'll tell you the other thing I do, Brian, that's, that's actually, somebody said to me the other day, what a great, uh, what a great concept is two weeks out from any vacation that I take, I do not make any major decisions whatsoever. Uh, and my team knows that because I'm taking that vacation because I believe I'm tired. 
And so two weeks, at least one week, um, I don't make any, the, well, the last week, I don't make any decisions whatsoever. People are like, hey, this, this, this needs doing. I'm like, well, it's just going to have to wait because I know making decisions from a tired space or a stressed space or burnt out space mm. is uh, is just not going to serve anyone. Mm. Well, and yeah, it goes back to like, what is success? Like if you have that foundation, right. it allows you to know like, oh, we're, we're, I, I don't know, this is the weirdest analogy. Maybe I'm just thinking of the fly, but like if you go to a casino and you know, I always double down on 11, you know, when 11 comes up, even if the dealer's showing a face card, you're going to double down. Like that's the play. Like, yeah. and, and I don't know why I just thought of that, but like, yeah, it's like, it's like, I, because I think too many times if you're guessing, you're always guessing, you're always like, oh, is this the right thing? And it's almost like decision fatigue over and over yes. again. But if you know, like, this is the path, certainly something can disrupt it. And we need to take a hard look at that. But if you know, mm -hmm. this is the path, we're going to keep going down it. And we certainly might have to veer here and there, but we know the mission again, because we have the foundation built already. And that goes oh, back. You're, right. you're on you it. Know. Yeah. The mission. You're right. right. It's the mission, right? So, so stay in the mission. I, you know, uh, it's like, um, I play a lot of golf, so I get a lot of golf analogies as well. But you know, the, the biggest the biggest thing with golfers, uh, certainly um, golfers who continually struggle with the, the same issue and the same problem over and over again, and newer golfers, you know, uh, we're all newer golfers our entire life. But you know, those that haven't quite figured out the strategy of the game, is always hit for the the green, always hit for the pin, you know, always try reach there and always put your, your absolute extended limit out your longest club, the one that you only hit once a year correctly, but mm -hmm. you're going to go for it. Cause that's the distance instead of laying it up, playing the shot a bit shorter and then a second shot in. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is generally how professionals do it. They strategically move just the next step, just the next step. That's that strategy. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, where we get caught, right? We always focusing on the mission. We always focusing on the big win. What's the big success? But if we could break that down into increments and find, I think, you know, some people suggest increments. I think everybody's increment is different, but if you can break it down to increment that feels comfortable within yourself, are you going to assess just this, this stage of the company over the next three months? Or are you going to assess this stage of product, this build over the next few weeks? And can you find success or failure at the end of that point? Mm -hmm. Then you get away this ethereal sort of thing in your head that's always telling you are you going to be successful one day right the one day kills us yeah. we can't do the one day thing it's it's not in us we have to have smaller things and so i struggled with this on a on a level because i one of the best jobs I had in my life ever was I was a picture framer for a while while I was studying. And the beautiful thing about being a picture framer, framing pictures, you choose the frame, everything with clients and all that, is that at the end of those, how many hours it takes you to frame that particular thing, you have a finished product and you're like, oh, look what I did, you know? Now, for me as a CEO, I never get that. I hardly ever get that because I'm touching on everybody else's projects. I have a few of my own, but inevitably, I don't really have anything that's my own, my own, right? So um, I don't have that finished sense even in radio after every show i felt oh that was a good show or a bad show i had that caller or this went well or that went bad or whatever and you need that sort of um well i need i need that fulfillment of task at a regular basis and so i try to boil success now down to like what have we accomplished in that time you know and yeah. that so for example we're an app company but we wrote a kids book because we are focused on families and we focused on story and we focused on value proposition and so we wrote a kids book called um it's this one here, the bright, 
yellow one, Oliver Time. It's a secret life of Oliver Time. And Oliver goes into nice. a time capsule that he finds in his yard. And then he um, he travels back in time. This one, he goes back with Amelia Earhart. Um, and she sort of looks at him in this just instance in the plane and says to him, you're a little different, aren't you, Ollie? And he's like, yep. And she's like, hey, it's good to be different. You know, you can add value through being different. And there's a proposition for kids there that is so natural and normal. And um, and there's so many other valuable things about the book about being hand-drawn by an award-winning author and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, what do I do? Do I go, well, this was our Airbnb Obama O play to fund some of our company with selling this book. Okay, so then success is only when we able to fund some of the company in selling the book. Or do I do it like, okay, we finished the book. We've had success. We printed a book. It's up on Amazon, up in Barnes. Mm -hmm. Like, is that success? Or what is success? Is success maybe when we sat and did a live reading with one of our nonprofits two weeks ago, and there were only eight families on the call, only like 10 kids who are all facing life-threatening illnesses and we spent an hour with them doing a live read and just edifying them about the value of their story is that success you know because i'll tell you one thing man i I'm, i had a pretty shitty attitude no if i can say you can beat me out if you need to but i had a pretty shitty attitude heading into that meeting because it was a sunday afternoon sunday evening and i was like pretty selfish like i don't want to go spend time with these kids reading a book they're not even buying the book let's just understand we're just doing this as part of our relationship with the nonprofit. But I had to correct my attitude before I head in there because these kids are facing massive, massive issues in their lives. You know, most of them will not even reach anywhere. They're not even a quarter of our lifetime, you know, and, and can we spend an hour to do that? And I came off there feeling so fulfilled and so successful that we just encourage these kids. And that's not even our core business, mm -hmm. but it's our ethos at work. Right. So I don't know. How do you define success, man? Why? Why should we bother? Shouldn't we just enjoy the journey? I think if I could be successful to look like this, me being able to work on something that I love without it becoming work and feeling like pressure, like it has for me, it's really robbed from me from the last few months. Mm -hmm. And I'm fighting at this present time to get back to this point, but in a way that it's also not you, right? It's just one of the things in your life. If your job, if your work or whatever could be one of the things in your life that you do are not the thing that is your hit and miss um, success metric, mm -hmm. right? And you could go, when I'm with family, I'm with family and I'm successful with my family, spending that time with my family. When I'm with my kids, same, I want success there. And we could be intent in those boxes. There's much better people to speak about this than me, I'm learning this. But if I could do the same thing with my startup, um, that yes, I care, that, care about it. Yes, I carry the responsibility, but it will kill me if I let it define me and rule me. And so it has to be one of the things. And then I free it to be a fun thing. I free it to be enjoyable. And I free myself uh, away from a success metric and towards a journey, an enjoyable metric that is brought down to a much smaller, um, a much smaller increment. And I think that's more manageable. Uh, certainly for where I for where, where I am. I mean, yeah. if I, sometimes that's day to day, sometimes that's task to task, sometimes that's meeting to meeting. Just depends on emotionally where I am at the time. Well, I, th I mean, I, I think that loops around to what we've been chatting about is like it's not a number, you know, like oh, it has to be this number in the bank account or this launch yeah. date or anything like that. Certainly, those could be wins. We feel good about those, but it's really, am I living the ethos of my life? Am I living the things that I? Um, that I want to do. So do I have the freedom, right? Am I making the choice to be mm. my family? Whatever those things are, again, everyone's going to have different. Um, I think that's what the success is. Like, I, you know, as we're talking here, I kind of think about 
you know, fitness is such a big part of my life. And it's like, I know I'm not going to get fit by going to CrossFit one day. Oh, but, he has another CrossFitter. Oh my gosh, I know, no, dude. I know. My, my wife is a CrossFitter. You guys are like a cult, wow. like trying to, <laughs> trying to convince. I bet you, she, you probably spoke to her before the episode and t- <laughs> she told you, Hey man, get him in. This is what happens. <laughs> the first rule of CrossFit is you must speak about CrossFit. Right? I'm not so, coming. I'm <laughs> never joining CrossFit. That stuff's brutal. You yeah, but awesome, you can modify, you can modify, but the reason <laughs> yeah, I yeah, use yeah. that, but whether it's running or whether it's whatever, mm. it's, it's like, like, so th- this is interesting. I, I didn't know we'd go down this path, but like, for instance, I just signed up for, um, a half marathon. Yeah. I, I hate running. I'll be the first to admit. I just do not like running at all. I've done a few races before, nothing to the half marathon uh, standard, but it's one of those things to challenge myself mentally, because for me, that's something that keeps me going. And that's why I do CrossFit because it's, it's physically, yes, but it's really the mental challenge yes. that I could get through the workout so again, it goes back to one of those things. It's not that, oh, I'm, I'm going to get in shape tomorrow. No, I have to keep showing up each day. But it's, am I actually um, showing up and actually completing the workout to the best I could? That's a quote unquote success for me. It's not like a, oh my God, I, I'm at this weight or this lift or whatever it is. It's that I actually yes. accomplished. Brian Dude, feels good. You know what I'm saying? Incremental. It's incremental. It's right? incremental, right? That's the thing I love about CrossFit. Yeah. I'm not a CrossFitter. I don't yeah. see myself being a CrossFitter, right. but I have seen it change people's lives. I've seen it change my wife's life, yeah. like literally, like she was depressed, not knowing where to head with things, season change, work opportunities changed. And this, she got into this and it's just, it's unbelievable. The mindset, the the physicality, the changes, the, right. the commitment, the discipline, but it's it's exactly as you say, it's not, you're not there to work out you're there to complete a workout and there's certain parameters to that where you can challenge yourself or be challenged by others or challenged with others. And I think that's why it's so brilliant, but it's amazing how the mindset comes back to that incremental thing, right? Yeah. Like, like a smaller goal. But again, again, it comes back to it's showing up today. It's going through it today, yes. being present. Yeah. It's not, yes. If I show up a hundred days in a row, for instance, not that you would do it a hundred days in a row, but like if I showed up for that long, well, yes, there's going to be some more monumental gains. Same way, oh, if I want to start a business, okay, if I work on it for a year straight and I do a lot of things, sure, you might have some whatever, some things out in the society that makes it look, quote unquote, successful to the outside. But it's the mm-hmm. fact that you're working on each day and you're doing the mission that you want. Like you talk about the journey, it's way better yeah. than the finish line, right? It's actually I going think- through it each and every day. Like that's part of it because you it fills you up. Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely, absolutely true. I'd like to digest a little bit the, what is the work of it? What is the showing up of it, right? Because, and here's here's what I'll say about it is, I'm, I agree with you, okay? Firstly, this is a language issue that's about to happen, right? I agree with you, agree with what you say, I agree with showing up, I agree with one of the things that's been difficult, I think, over the last period in our in our culture when it comes to work is the showing up thing has been slanted to be that is the core metric, showing up. And that is changing. And anybody that doesn't realize it's changing, maybe you know, just think about what's happening with remote work. And if you think your employees are sitting behind their desk working full eight-hour days at home, mm. you're dreaming. You mm. are absolutely dreaming. And so we are faced as a society with this question of, 
is quality better than quantity, right? Now, there are these uh, movements, particularly out of the UK, for a four-day work week, and they've been testing this in bank stuff, and it's outstanding, the results they're getting. Much better work, much higher quality, much more committed employees, and Capsule, um, ultimately, once we once we're scaling, will be a four-day work week because we can see the benefits from that, and we value life that way. But how about the showing up days where you know that you need to show up Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday, whatever it is, um, but you have nothing left in the tank. You're, you're emotionally tired or you've taken a knock or you maybe didn't have a good night's sleep or that. I think the most important question for our age, complementary to the showing up one, is what is showing up? Because sometimes showing up is... I'm too tired to focus on writing that or reading that legal document today or whatever, but I'm not too tired to rest, do a bit of meditation, uh, listen to an audio book that's going to recover me uh, in that sense. I'm ready to go and I might be ready to go in a few hours. I might be ready to go tomorrow. Now, some things can't wait, obviously, but I've certainly found that in my founding journey, the desire to tell everybody that I'm busy all the time has had to change radically because mm -hmm. uh, I feel like a hypocrite. Um, I don't need to be busy all the time. What I need to be is focused and healthy and energized and ready to go and and whatever other things you want to put on. There, there's a whole lot of ethical things. I need to be kind. I need to be empathetic. I need to build that. But how can you just show up and go on something if you're not healthy, right? That's where we see burnout. We see stress. We see um, suicide rates and such. You know, it's loneliness, depression, all of these things. So. What do you think, man? I mean, how do you give yourself those days to mentally recover or be in a place that you know that when you do show up for the work side of things, you're actually showing up ready to play? Well, that's a, yeah, that's a deeper question because it it's should you show up just for work? You know, right. are you showing right. up for your family, for your kids? you know, for yeah. friends, you know, so are you showing up for yourself? You know, I think there's a, there's so many layers, um, I guess, to that, you know, it's a, it's a thoughtful question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, you know, kind of off the cuff, I'm thinking about, and I'll, you know, relating it back to like, you know, working out or something like that. It's those days where you don't feel you have it like, okay, I'm not, my energy is not there to sleep well. Is it better though to show up and and go through some of the movements and light? Let's go. You go fifty seventy percent, mm. but men, again, go back to mentally. You're there. So even if it's like, so let's use this. If you're like writing a book, okay, I can't put three hours in it today. I'm just exhausted. Well, certainly, certainly, you can just take the day off and not do it. But could you put thirty minutes? What if you did thirty minutes of focused versus the three hours? You at least you keep the, you know clicking. Oh, I did it today. And it gives you momentum yeah. maybe tomorrow. But again, I think this comes down to it's it's very individual. Because I know for me personally, that might be a procrastination technique, right? Yes. I might be yes, like, well, yes. mentally I'm strained. I'm gonna take today off. And I'm, you know, you kind of move the, you know, kick the can down the road a little bit further. But for me, I know it's no, I need to show up and be more focused for a shorter period of time, maybe. But then I feel more energized after that because I've at least accomplished something that was important for me. Maybe I didn't give the full effort. I didn't give the full day or the full time, but I gave enough for that day that, again, energizes me. To, because I think partly, again, I'm only thinking, I only could speak on myself, is like if I don't do something that I've committed to, 
Yeah. I feel like shit later in the day or the next day. Now this goes back to, am I enough? Going back to our earlier comment, like Kenneth, to me, we should go with Kenneth, right? Yeah. What's that? I mean, the Barbie movies come out. We should be saying Kenneth, not enough. Am I, am I beating myself up? Right. That's the thing is like for doing that or should I give myself more grace? You know? Yeah. So it's a tough line, man. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. So, um, yeah, I, I, it is. I, and then, sorry, man, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think there's, it depends. Like, again, you know, it's all definitions are important. What do you define as showing up? Um, is that showing up just for work in terms of what you're getting paid for? Is that showing up? Because we all know, and maybe we've experienced this ourselves, where, you know, you show up great for work, but then you neglect your kids or you're not right, doing right. date nights with your spouse or, you know, things that are important to them. And ultimately yeah. important to you, maybe, but you're not prioritizing them. So it, it definitely is a fine line. Like, what does showing up mean? Um, and then yeah. how do you make sure that, yeah, you're not burning yourself out as well? Man, I'm just more and more convinced, like, that we have to be doing more work on ourselves, you know? Like, we yeah. just have to. Like, when you're showing up, like, I think we've been driven so much by the external metric, right? So I can go and show up at an event and let's take radio, right? Okay. So I can go and do a radio show and I can be, I can do a great show. People can be, oh yeah, amazing show. This, that are awesome. I can walk out of there feeling empty. Like it's Mm -hmm. just a talent that I've expressed. That's fine. I wasn't really present. I wasn't, it's just to act as whatever, going through the motions and all that. And even though I've got the talent to do it, I can do it. That's fine. But what's it like when I actually enjoy doing it for me? What, what, what's it like when I've processed the fulfillment that I get, that I'm able, let's start, you've got be grateful on your back wall there. We all know like gratitude is absolute key. We're learning this in our generation now. Um, but if I can walk into a studio going, yeah, I'm so great. Okay. I do it with our company, right? I've got sticky notes on my mirror in my bathroom. And I'm like, I am grateful that I get to do this. I'm grateful that I get to do this. Not that I have to do this, but I get to do this. Um, it was Dr. Caroline Leaf that probably changed out. I heard in one of her podcasts, which was like, wake up in the morning and go, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. And that's awesome. But there's all of those sort of things that you can work on your mindset, work on your, you know, people are like, oh, don't have 10 minutes to meditate or meditate. We're an app developer. I'll plug another app, but the unplug app for meditation. And I was not into meditation. I've been doing this for like 30 days. And it's, it's unbelievable how it just helps you. And it's not some, it's not, it's not like, don't worry, you're not going to turn your soul over to anybody. It's, it's all right. it's, it's my mental neurons, man. You got to, you have a body that is built like an absolute supercomputer. Don't you want to learn how to use it so that when you show up in places, that thing is running smoothly, quietly, ready to go on tilt and it's processing. And then you're present and you're enjoying it for yourself and you're enjoying the interactions with others. And you will leave that place going, not, oh, I just expended a talent and hurrah for me good day give me my paycheck but you're leaving that going i don't really care about the paycheck i feel fulfilled thanks for the paycheck that's going to feed my family great but i i'm, I'm doing it i'm mm. doing what i want to do yeah you know and i'm not saying that's an automatic thing just when you find something that you love doing you have to keep that alive i love building our company i love what we're doing i really do i enjoyed that but the preconceived mindsets that we have been dealt with into our generation from former generations is not such. It's that work is difficult, laborious. It must be a struggle. It must be under the pump. It must be under somebody's thumb. That is no longer true. We have the ability to be much more mentally healthy and mentally aware um, and actually have a full, fulfilling life 
where there is not a hard line separation between work and and play, but no separation between mental health in our personal or um, or professional lives. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point there. I mean, at the end of the day, like it, a lot of this is is our choices. You know, it's our decisions each day. How do we choose to live? And by the way, it's not like you quit your job tomorrow or you know you can do certain things. Is maybe you got yourself in a, a certain position. But it's having that delayed gratification of like, hey, you know what? What if I put time into learning a new skill or maybe maybe putting more effort, meaning you talk about more quality effort into the work I'm doing, maybe that helps me get a promotion or sidestep to another job or another company. Like sometimes we feel stuck. I think it's we have to look back at ourselves and like, what are we actually, are we doing enough in a positive way to improve our lives? Like, are we really doing or are we just kind of, you know, sacking it in for the day and saying, whatever, just let it go. And then you do that for day two and yeah. three and five. And all of a sudden we get to a point where we get really stuck. A lot of it was the decisions we made, you know? Yeah. Much. I mean, totally. And, and that, that then extends to, you know, are we, are we doing our part in a societal unit? Like, are we adding what we are supposed to add to the fabric of humanity? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that question, I mean, that is, that question's, the fabric of humanity is the backbone of capsule and our app uh, through story and value. But I think that question, look, when you're a healthy human being, you have a responsibility to be part of the collective in some way. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're an introvert, the bells ring going, I don't want to. Yeah, I get that. But you understand introverts have been the most powerful people in all of history. We know this. I mean, the inventors are introverts, the deep thinkers, the philosophers from, from whom we get the way we do life and the way we sustain life are from introverts, from deep thinkers. And so um, not that all introverts are deep thinkers and not all thinkers are deep are introverts, but you get what I'm saying. And so we have to find a way to engage in, in being part of the collective. And either that's by providing a service or by um, if you don't like the work you do, you can still be part of the fabric of humanity by how you engage with your colleagues. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still be part of humanity in the fact that you might even just sit in a cubicle and make um, make call center calls all day. End of, end of the day, there's a human being on the other side of that line. Um, even your grace in having the phone put down in your ear a hundred times a day is actually putting grace back into the fabric of, of humanity. There are many, many ways, and we've forgotten how to be human, I think, um, and uh, never mind the robots taking over, but if we're not careful, we just become more and more robotic ourselves. Mm. You know, it's great. I mean, it's great that we live in this age. We, what we're talking about now, man, is just the tip of, of an iceberg that we can't even fathom. Like, I wish previous generations were talking about emotional intelligence and emotional health like this. We would be a different generation because of it. Yeah. Um, but we do get to live in this age where we can actually action this, and what a privilege to do that. So every, everybody has something to add if you can talk you can engage if you can't talk you can use your hands if you you can use your eyes you can blink you're you have value and you have something to add to the fabric of of humanity and so are you doing that you know yeah. Clint, that might be a good place to uh table this conversation until our next one so this was uh this yeah. was a lot of fun um where if someone wanted to say hello to you online where, what watering holes are you uh you playing around with on social, anything specific? 
Yeah, so Capsule app, obviously, you can't say hello to me on there because it is private. And so um, I would have to invite you to a private capsule. Well, you could invite me if you had my email address. Um, so on there, of course, and I do, we're about to launch some public stuff as well there. So there's going to be some deeper thoughts, some deeper conversations exclusively on the Capsule app. Um, and those topics are going to be everywhere from where we sit at the moment in social media um, and how we've been conditioned for almost two decades to engage in our content in a very superficial way. And what does it mean to actually bring meaning back to it? Um, that's really our mission. Um, but the, the, we're still on uh, Instagram. I see Instagram as a uh, sort of disposable content type space. I see Capsule as I use those two exclusively and uh, not on Facebook anymore. Capsule is for your meaningful content. Um, IG is for your disposable stuff. So we on this, you can follow capsule.app. Um, that's, that's the best one uh, for that content. If you hunt me out, that's fine as well. But uh, Capsule.app's the one. And then please download the app. Download Capsule, C-A-P-S-L-L. Um, uh, or you can look at the website, Capsule.app on the website. And uh, start saving your stories and start sharing them privately. We've got private comments now, which is awesome because you can post a memory with a friend in a private capsule with only that friend or a few friends to see completely privately. And then you can comment back and forth on that memory or on that time that you had uh, at the dinner party or whatever it is. And so that's really cool private connection. And then last port of call is hit up Barnes and Noble or Amazon and go and have a search for The Secret Life of Oliver Time. This book is for kids 12 and below, but it's not like, um, it's not like a typical children's book. These are hand drawn uh, pencil drawings by an incredible artist close friend of mine and the story is not going to bore you as a parent to death it's actually going to interest you and challenge your life as much as it'll challenge your kid's life and then hopefully you'll be challenged enough as well again to save your story on the app so um, there's nothing hidden with us we're not trying to manipulate you in any way but these are the things that we feel have value so um, yeah we'd love you to connect and uh, yeah message me through Instagram if you want to con connect or through the website awesome well, thanks so much man this yeah. was a lot of fun glad to have this dialogue with you yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me back. It's been uh, it's been uh, a year, over a year. So um, we'll have to keep the clock ticking. Absolutely, man. Until next time. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianandraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.